Would you turn your, to your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3? And if you don't have a Bible, we invite you to take one of the Bibles in your in one of the chairs in front of you, one of the black Bibles, and it's you'd be found on pages either 925 or 948. There's two, there's a smaller one and a thicker one, 925. If you don't have a Bible and you're here, we would love for you to take one of those Bibles and keep it for yourself, write your name in it, make it your own and use it. But we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Before I get into the sermon, I want to say it's a special day for me because I get to preach God's Word and worship with, among many special people here today, my father-in-law is here, so my, my wife's dad on this Father's Day, I'm just, I'm just really blessed by that. He is such a blessing to me and to my family and to my wife. But not only my father-in-law, but my father's here. And so my father being here. And so Terry and Harold, I praise God for them. They have been as good as you could be an imperfect father. They've been good and a blessing in, in our lives. And we praise God on this Father's Day. How do Christians dress? I remember how we were taught for way back 25, 30 years ago when I went to Northland, how Northland students dressed. We were at a conservative Christian college where our dress meant every day in classes, we dressed with a dress and pressed shirt, tie, belt, dress pants, dress shoes, no white socks, every class. Every supper, at least Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, we had to wear that outfit as well as a sports coat or a suit coat. Same as Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, all of the time. That's how Northland students dressed. I remember in my pastoral classes, I was taught that as a pastor, you better get used to wearing a suit, and you will wear a suit every day of the week. Whew. I'm glad... I'm glad that beloved teacher was wrong. <laughs> but what I mean by how do Christians dress, yes, I could speak on there are spiritual principles of how we should think about our physical dress in the different places where we go, whether it be modesty or appropriateness or honoring of others. That is not what I mean this morning when I ask the question, how do Christians dress? What I mean by that is in a much more spiritual way, in the way that the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 speaks... And so would you look with me at this passage from verses 12 through 17. The Apostle Paul says this. Put on then, or most literally, clothe yourselves. There's the dress. Clothe yourselves as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you so also must forgive others. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts, your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. This is God's Word. And as we come to this, let us think about this. How do Christians dress? I want to show you two things from this passage. We, we could spend a lot of time on this passage because each verse could be a sermon in itself and we don't have time to do that. But I want you to see two things this morning. I want you to see the Christian's clothes, what they wear, and the Christian's closet, where they get what they wear from. Where do they get it? The Christian's clothes and the Christian's closet. The first relates to the command of Christ, commands of Christ. You need to do these things. The second is, where do you get the strength and the power and the wherewithal to do those things? Let's look at this for a few minutes. First of all, I want you to see the Christian's clothes. Paul says... We are to wear, Christians wear something. When we say Christian, we have explained this in many of the sermons in Colossians. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has received the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been filled with Him. They have been united with Him in His death. And they have been raised with Him in baptism through faith. And we're going to see this this morning. Baptism doesn't save it, but it's a picture of all who are saved and truly Christian that they are now in Christ. And having received Christ Jesus the Lord, Paul is going to say, brothers and sisters, get dressed like a Christian. And what are their Christian clothes? Well, one way of saying it would be the way Paul said it to the Romans in Romans 13, 14, when he said, but... Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to live for your own flesh or your own selfish desires. Maybe more appropriately for Sandy and for Jera who are getting baptized, Paul said to the Galatians, for as many as you who have been baptized, you have Put on or clothed yourself with Christ. This picture of baptism, you come away clothed in Christ because you're trust in Christ. So what, do, what are the clothes of a Christian? How do they dress? Well, in this passage, he calls us to attitudes and actions that imitate not only God, the Father, but also the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, before, but before we really understand this, we, we need to realize that we have dirt on us and grime on us. This was last Sunday's sermon. Um, there are some Saturdays when I cut grass, and I'm out there cutting grass, and I then weed whack our yard, and, 
And at the end of my grass cutting session in a hot and sweaty day, I am sticky and grimy and hair is on from my head to my toes. And it would not be appropriate for me if I was doing a wedding that Saturday that I just cut the grass and just finished. If I just said, oh, the wedding has started, I better run upstairs and immediately put on my suit coat over top of all my grime. No, I need to strip the rags of my dirty working clothes, shower and put on the new. And so Paul says, you are in Christ, but you need to put to death what is earthly in you. He said that in verses 5 through 11. And you need to take off, get rid yourself of certain things and certain behaviors and take off the rags of your old life of Adam in the old Adam, and put on the new. Rid yourself of the things that used to be part of you, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk and lying to one another and sexual immorality and evil passions and greed and covetousness. That's not you anymore. It doesn't mark you anymore. So get rid of it. It doesn't belong to you. And he says, so first you get rid of that. That's last week. But now in this verse, he says, so this is what you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And specifically, he lists many things. He says... Put on, and he gives five virtues, five attitudes. They are, you see them in verse 12. Put on compassionate hearts. What do Christians wear? Christians wear compassionate hearts. That means hearts full of mercy towards those that are in a bad place, spiritually or physically. We don't look down our noses at them in pride. We think... If it weren't for the grace of God, I'd be right there. He says, compassionate hearts, kindness, by which he means just tender-hearted, compassionate. He says they are to put on meekness, humility, Uh, other-centeredness, a putting people first, not obsessed with self. He says they are to put on a meekness, gentleness, not pursuing our own rights, quick to overlook offenses and patient. And then he says, you want to see what that looks like? The next verse, he says, you are to forbear with one another. I'll tell you, our lives are going to be filled with people sinning against us, And people that are getting in the way of our plans and attitudes and in our agendas. And we are going to need to forbear with them. It's going to happen in a church setting. If you stick around long enough and you invest enough where you actually get to know each other, people are going to give you an opportunity to forbear and to forgive them. Parents all know what it's like to have to forgive their children, and I'll tell you what even more so, children have to forgive their parents because we are all sinners. And Paul is saying that is how Christians dress. They have these attitudes, patience, patience, patience. Another term for that is long-suffering. And he says that is the dress code of the true Christian. And he says, and what they do is they forbear. 
They have, they do not hold against certain things and they forgive. And notice what he says in verse 13. He says the way they forgive, they forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Friends, this is our motto as a Christian. As the Lord, fill in the blank, did this for you, so you. As the Lord forgave you, so you are to forgive. Forgiveness is a type of dying to ourselves and releasing the offenses from... It's releasing the person that sinned against you from being you being bitter and being wrathful or judging even though they might deserve your judgment. Forgiveness means I am going to give the person that hurt me or did something wrong to me, whether it be my parent or my child, whether it be my sibling or my adult, where you're all adults and your adult sibling, whether it be someone in your church or in work, forgiving them and it's giving them mercy instead of your wrath that they might actually deserve It is changing your attitude toward those that offended you when you realize how much God's love and forgiveness is toward you. And so he says, this is what we wear. Friends, God in Christ bore our weaknesses so that we will bear the weaknesses of others. And so this week, don't be surprised when God, today, don't be surprised when God tests you to be put in a position where you are so irritated. And instead you go, he told me this is what I need to wear. God, I guess you allowed this situation right now so that I would get to obey this command. God, help me to show you and be patient instead of impatient. To be compassionate instead of irritated, to be kind instead of harsh, to be meek and just let it go because I can let it go instead of rubbing their noses in it. That's what, aren't you so glad that we're, we're treated that way by God? And that's what he says here. And he says, then you are to put on genuine love. Verse 14 Put on love, which he says binds all of these attributes in perfect harmony. All of these things come together. If you don't have love, they don't mean anything. If you have love, they put them together as a perfect harmony. And what is love? Let me say this to you. Love is, at ver- it could be defined in many different ways, but one of them is this. Love it is deliberate and affectionate. And sacrificial pursuing what's best for someone else. And that is what we are called to do. You are called to your kids and to your parents and to your neighbor and to others in this church. To that irritating friend. To that co-worker that is difficult. To whoever is your neighbor, you are called to a life that is deliberately and lovingly and sacrificially pursuing what's best for them. And what's best for them always is God, first and foremost. And, uh, and for you to show God 
in your life and in your responses to them. And Paul says that is how Christians dress. Oh, may God work in, a peop- work in us as a people so that the world looks in and goes, they're so strange. See how they love people. We don't see that kind of love anywhere else. I'm so thankful that I, see, I feel so often and so frequently the love from you. I see so often the love and the love of you toward one another. Guys, that is not because of you. You don't have that in you. It is God's grace in you. The dress that we wear is that. He goes on and he's, I could take a long time on each of these points and where he says, you're to put on also the peace of Christ. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That's how you're to do. Let his peace reign in your life or harmoniously submit to his peace. He has come in and died for you and died for everyone in this church who's in Christ Jesus. And he says, now I died to remove hostility so you can start treating each other like you were meant to. So let that rule your lives. Don't don't let your old person rule your life. I think that's the heart of what Paul means when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, verse 15. He doesn't mean so much let the peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4. That's a different type of peace. That's an inner tranquility of peace. Here I think he's saying the peace that ends hostility between one another because of what Jesus did on the cross, let it take charge and rule in this room and in our lives and in your family. Dads, the peace of Christ to rule in your home, starting with you, living with these attributes, wearing these clothes of Jesus Christ, of whom he has shown us the way. He goes and says, and and along with that, and Paul is just taking one thing after another, and now he moves almost directly to Christ. He says, let the peace of Christ, what he's done, flavor all your clothes and how you wear and how you live your Christian life. And then he says, and let the word of God, a word-centered life, be what you're wearing in all of your life. And so we see that in verse 16. I wish we had time to unpack the implications in a local church when he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I preached a sermon several years ago on memorizing the scripture. And can it at least mean that, but it's much more than that. He says, he's, he doesn't say just pastors do this. He doesn't just say those aspiring to be pastors or pastors' wives or old saints who are dear old prayer warrior ladies. It means all of you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I want to say this to heads of households, fathers, husbands. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let, and, and what you are to do here is you are to teach your family. Teach one another and admonish. That means when you see someone that needs either encouragement or correcting in patient wisdom and love, because it says in all wisdom, admonish, you are to bring the life-giving, gentle, gracious, and sometimes cutting truth of this book and show them the grace and the love and correction of God's word. And it says singing to one another with psalms, hymns, Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. 
What do Christians wear? Well, because we're talking spiritually or metaphorically, we wear a song in our lives. I know that that doesn't fit, those metaphors are mixed, but we wear in our lives, we wear a singing life. And I don't mean that always literally, but it includes literally singing. But songs of thanksgiving, songs of gratitude, it, it should at least mean that we sing as a church and people come in and go, what in the world's going on here? They actually believe they're saved and they sing like it. They actually sit and listen like the word of God is truth and they listen to it so that they might obey it. That is, that is what Christians wear and that is what their, where their life is. And he ends this beautiful paragraph that's packed with commands, but commands that are, are glorious and gracious. He says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What could be a more all-encompassing reality? It's kind of like whatever you eat, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, or do all, do all to the glory of God. Here he says, whatever you do covers it all. Anything you're going to do this afternoon is covered in verse 17. Do all, he says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means we get dressed up this day. You get dressed up on Monday and Tuesday. You get dressed up when you wake up in the middle of the night. You get dressed up when you have to go and respond to a problem. To respond to different situations, you get dressed up with, I represent the Lord Jesus Christ and his name. Oh God, help me not to take that name in vain. Not just by swearing, but what I mean is, I bear his name. And I want to show him off as I go to work. Tell this to my boys regularly. You are going into Jersey Mike's. You represent the name of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You represent him. May you work heartily as unto the Lord and not to man. All of you, that is what you're called to do. That is how you dress. That's the uniform of your life as a Christian. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And you know that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are marked. And just in a few minutes, Sandy and Jera are going to come up and get baptized. And I'm going to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. You're marked by His name now. You're not marked by your name. You're renamed. You're renamed. And live in it. Now, there's, there's so much here. And I, I, just, I just described you quickly the clothes that we're supposed to dress up in. Not some fake hypocritical dress. And in fact, it could be fake hypocritical dress. Have you known Christians to be hypocrites? Has there ever been one? I think there has been. It's kind of a sarcastic question. So I'm telling you today, get dressed like Jesus. Put on these, I guess if you scan your eyes from verses 12 through 17, you could go, well, there's five attributes. And then there's forbearing. And then there's forgiving and then there's putting on love. There's letting the peace of Christ rule. There's let the word of God dwell in me richly. Do everything in the name of Christ. And actually, I didn't add this. There's being thanks, giving thanks in everything. He says it three times. So there's all that. Do, do, do. Is the Christian life just, just do it? 
The Christian life isn't just do it, like the Nike slogan, but it's therefore do it. There's a big difference. Therefore do it. The therefore is he did something for you and fills you and enables you. And now you do it not in your own strength, in the old you, but you do it in the new you that you are becoming, not in your own strength, but what he has done for you. And so the first point is, what's your Christian clothes? Well, he gives it to you. Where's the closet you get your clothes? The closet in which we get our clothes to live the Christian life, where we get our wardrobe, is the glorious grace of God through Jesus Christ. And in this passage, he doesn't just say, put on or clothe yourselves in, then he lists all these virtues, compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and then the, all the rest of the passage. He doesn't do that. Did you notice there was a, there was a spot, spot there that he puts there? He says, put on as, and he says he names us. Paul names us. When we're baptized into Christ, when we become a Christian, we're renamed, and he gives us at least three names there. There's way many more ways to describe it. He says, put on, therefore, as God's chosen ones. That's number one. And put on as holy and as beloved or loved. That, those three words, enough, but I could go so many other places, point you to say, that is the source of our clothing. For the rest of your life, brothers and sisters, you are called to grow up in Christ and to understand the glory of the gospel, what we call the gospel, the good news of what, what these two ladies just shared about, I wasn't good enough, but Jesus was. Jesus is, my life wasn't good enough, but his death was, and his life from the dead was, and his life for me now is, so that's everything. And Paul says it this way, he says, now, brothers and sisters, you're going to put all these clothes on. You're going to live like a Christian, live like Christ. But know this, you're chosen by God. That word is, you are elect of God. He chose you. You, you were going your own way. This is, and he stopped you and said, no, I'm going to bring you back. Oh yeah, you chose him. But you chose him because he in his grace and mercy first came in and transformed your heart and brought you to himself. And he wants you to know that. And why does he want you to know that? For as you go into this, you go, mercy, mercy, mercy. Grace upon grace. God's kindness came to me while I was running the other way. And he interrupted my suicidal run and brought me into life eternal. And that is the wellspring of our living like Jesus now. We are loved. We have been chosen by God. This is the descriptor of what Jesus Christ was called. And in the transfiguration in the Bible, in the New Testament, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, a voice came from heaven and says, this Jesus is my chosen one. 
Israel in the Old Testament was called God's chosen one. God cho- Why did God choose Israel? Because they were the biggest and mighty and the most virtuous? No. They were small, weak, and messed up. And God says, I'm going to choose to make my name through that and love them. And why am I going to love them? Because I'm going to choose to love them and show my love so that my glory would be put on display and so all the nations of the world would someday be blessed like they are being now through the Messiah in Christ Jesus. This week, as you think about that, I want you to think about he chose you. And it's the second is, he, you are called to be holy. And there it says, he says in this verse, put on therefore as cho- God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The word holy means set apart to be for God's own use. You are set apart to God. You're for him. You belong to him. How else might I say it? The word saint is what that means. You are a saint set apart for him, not for yourself. And God renamed you that way. And the last of the three, so beautiful. And you are loved. You are not loved because you are lovely in and of yourself. You are loved because God chose to love you and he makes you lovely. Praise be to him. He loves you, and this is the good news. This is the gospel, and I want you to see that that is the only hope for you to really put on the dress that you're supposed to and for you to let it last and truly make a difference. How else are you going to actually be a patient person, a compassionate person, a forgiving person, a loving person until you let it get into your are until we get into our our sinful skull that but he loved me anyways he was patient with me i can be patient to others he was compassionate to me how can i not be compassionate to others he forgave me and he kept forgiving me he forgave me and he keeps forgiving me he forgives me of things I do all of the time. So I can't look at my, my spouse or my child or my parent or whoever it is and go, no, I forgave you and you keep doing it. You're done. Thank God that's not how father, the Father handles us. And so do we. You see, the closet in which we clothe ourselves is not ourselves, but it is drinking richly and daily eating and feasting upon God's love and grace to us and letting it truly, truly fill us. This letter is filled with this truth. This letter points us continually. If you were to start with chapter one and walk through, he says, Christians and Faith Church of Linden and visitors, those that are truly in Christ Jesus, this is your story. And it therefore supplies you with the closet of Christian living You have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. You were in slavery and now you're with Christ. You have received the forgiveness of sins and redemption. He qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. You were alienated and hostile of mind and you were doing evil deeds. And God reconciled you and made you alive with him. God chose 
to make you know the riches of his glory, the mystery that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You have been filled with all that is in Christ. You have been circumcised with the circumcision without hands, with that of Christ in his death, and you have been named by him, and you have been raised in his life in your baptism. The enemy has been disarmed and defeated on the cross, that very same place where all your trespasses were removed, all of them, and they were nailed to the cross. All that you owed was taken upon Jesus, and we've been raised with him, having died with him. Our lives are now hidden with Christ, and we are in the safest place in the universe. And when he appears... We will appear with him in glory. How glorious this is. And this is our life. And it is from there. Do you see there's a difference? Have you seen the difference in a Christian that treats people right? And you see that the secret behind the way they treat them is they're just so secure in how much God loves them. How could they treat you bad when they know how much God treated you? How, How much God treated them? How could they not be impatient? How could they not show mercy? Because God has shown mercy to you. I pray as these two get baptized today, I pray that you, as you watch and look upon and witness and testify it, I pray that you, friends, you young people, teenagers, and parents of teenagers, and family who are taking in these teenagers and all one another in this life, we would wear the Christian dress in our lives and we would catch ourselves when we go, man, that's a gossiping attitude. That doesn't fit with the dress code of a Christian because of how much he's loved us. When we are tempted to be grudge-holding, we go, oh, that doesn't fit in my, that doesn't go in my closet No, the closet that I find the supply of my my living is the grace and the mercy that God has shown me in Jesus Christ where he has forgiven all my trespasses. He's given me his life. He's given me eternal life and he hasn't stopped but will continue to love me and love me forever. And if you're here this morning, And I I know that almost every Sunday there are some in this room or watching online that are here and, and would say, I don't really know firsthand experientially this knowing Christ, knowing and being assured of his forgiveness that Sandy talked about in her testimony. Oh, I invite you to Christ today. Oh, the Christ we sang about, the Christ that's in this book, the Christ who comes and he forgives sinners, he can forgive you. You, you got to know that you're bad enough to need him. And some of, some of you need to know you're not too bad for him to save you. Both of those are true. You're bad enough, you need him. You need him to save you because you're that bad. And You're not too bad for him to be able to save you. He, as great as you are a sinner, as great as I am a sinner, as great as we are as sinners, he is such a greater savior. So so may we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. May we dress up like Christians. May we not 
that sounds like let's dress up with something fake. (laughs) Oh, it's not natural, but it's real because the Savior is making it real in our lives one day at a time. And he's using, he's working through his spirit and he's using this body to make that happen. May God help us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to invite those that are going to get baptized to go get ready. You and I were meant and made to show off Jesus Christ. We can't do it apart from his grace, and we can do it with his grace. Let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our all in all. He is our life. Oh, Father, I do pray that you would help those that are getting baptized, but I, they, they're ready. They're, they're, it is well with their soul. But, but God, I know that it, it's probably not well with some in this room. Their, their hearts are not right there. God, for those that are in this room that have, they're, they're living for themselves and they are not at all turning to Christ. I pray that you would just change the directory of their life. You would show yourself as so glorious and they would receive you and they would turn to you. I pray that you'd be with those and I do think there are some, whether they're young or old, that are in this room that have not truly been baptized since they were a Christian since they asked you to save them. I pray that they would not wait for somebody to keep nudging them, but they would feel such a compulsion that they need to go public with their salvation, that they need to be baptized. They need to follow you because that's what they now are. They are obedient and they need to be, they, they're called to this. I pray that they would, they would respond to that as well in, in these coming weeks and talk to one of the pastors or leaders. No, God, now. Make our lips praise you. Clothe our lips with songs of praise to your glory. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.